Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse, and the Diamond Dogs are... Well, let's discuss where Mississippi State baseball is here on this Monday afternoon in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm your host, David Murray, and I'm your uh, down and out host at the moment because Mississippi State has suffered another sweeping. Uh, at this time, at the hands of Arkansas on Dudenville Field. Uh, coming a weekend after the Bulldogs were swept at Tennessee. That means they have lost six consecutive conference games. No, more than that. They've lost eight of their last nine. Since defeating Ole Miss in a series, they've just gone into the skids and now sit tied for last place in the conference. Okay, technically they're 13th because the Bulldogs do have the tiebreaker on number 14, Ole Miss. But looking at who plays who, the remaining schedule, State going down to LSU, which some consider the number one ranked team in the country, even they they dropped a couple this past weekend. It's not a promising prospect for the Bulldogs if they don't change their ways, as Santana would have sang. Uh, I'm not going to call them evil ways, but it's the evils being done at the hands of other teams who just take advantage of what Mississippi State is giving them this year. If I sound frustrated, well... I am not nearly so much as Coach Crystal Monis and staff, and not nearly so much as the Diamond Dogs themselves. If the frustration's really starting to boil over, uh, we don't have firsthand knowledge, but we certainly have circumstantial evidence and reports by those with uh, looking into the dugout of some tensions running high down there. We know that uh, Coach Lamonis is showing some more emotions also, whether it's in post-game radio, press conferences, or during the course of games. Nothing out of control, but still. You see the uh, calm, demeanored coach letting a few things flash through because it's getting to him as well. Of course, as evidenced a week ago today by the dismissal of pitching coach Scott Foxhall. Now, I'm going to say this. Emotions, they're not necessarily a bad thing because at least it means the Bulldogs still care. Whether it's about uh, themselves personally, about the state of the team, about what's going on in general. At least they have enough pride left to get mad, and that's a positive thing. It's still not as good as going out and winning the games. I don't want to make it a complete positive. I just want to say that at least they're showing some emotions. Certainly Diamond Dog fans are showing emotions, which is also a good thing, and in a larger picture, a very good thing. Put another way, if we didn't care about Bulldog baseball, then the fans wouldn't be getting mad, calling for heads to roll at this point, uh, demanding changes, all sorts of things. Well, state fans care and care in large numbers. Uh, the Sunday crowd was down, but that was to be expected. And just the way the season's gone and plus graduation taking place, that uh, cuts into your student crowd as well. Now, how many show up for the Texas A&M series in two weeks? That's another question entirely. But right now, the question is, how did they get here? And no, I'm not even going to the question of how can they get out of it. When you've played the way this team has now played for so many weekends on end, you just don't see much of an answer. Yes, Coach Lamonis and staff can talk about them being close. Well, in some sense they are. But that was the same case last year in a lot of cases, and the final scores were not close. You look at how many double-digit run games State has given up and how many times that State has fallen short of that standard and offensively. And, you know, the offense has been taken as one of the brighter parts of this team so far, yet you look at what they've done. 
Now, I mentioned, yes, they they batted barely 200 in defeating Ole Miss for their last conference series win. But since then, the trend, State, 265 batting average at Auburn, 237 at Tennessee, and this past weekend just hit rock bottom, a 170 average against Arkansas. 15 hits total in the three games. Uh, in fact, uh, they had uh, 23 strikeouts, more strikeouts than hits, had as many walks as hits. And that gets to another point we'll mention later. State is drawing a lot of walks that are not really striking out that much, but they're not doing anything with the runners once on base. Compared that to what opponents are doing, it's almost become axiomatic that two outs and the other team gets up, something is going to go wrong. They just can't finish off the innings. And certainly in the case of Arkansas and Tennessee, things have gone wrong with two outs and so often. There's so many things you can delve into at this point. And I want to start with the offense because, again, people look at some of it and say, well, they're doing enough things to win on the offensive side of the game. And that's true. They've scored six or more runs in half of these uh, last four series games, uh, six out of 12. Six runs is enough to win a baseball game, at least traditionally. Now, this year is a little exceptional for a lot of reasons, not least the age overall of teams. It's turned into an offensive game completely. I don't know how pitchers cope with it. Pitching coaches are driving themselves crazy trying to figure out something. But face it, 2023 is the era of offense for college baseball again. But still, six runs is enough to keep you in contention and probably should win at least 80% of the time you score that much. And that's just my informal calculation. I'm no baseball sabermetician on that. But still, you're scoring like that. The problem is, of course, State is giving up over eight earned runs a game this past series. What was it, 13 at Tennessee? Um, going back to the start of SEC season, something like a 16 earned runs average per game against Vanderbilt. Doesn't matter if you're scoring six, eight, ten runs at that rate, you're going to get outscored because you're giving up so many earned runs. The odd thing was State's ERA was actually much better this past weekend with more strikeouts than walks, though they're still hitting a lot of batters. But when you're giving up 17 home runs in the last six games, and again, how many of those come with two outs? Am I wandering all over the place? Yeah, but that's just the nature of baseball because there's no one thing you can put your finger on and say, this is the weak link of this team. Well, certainly defense is a weak link. Um, errors are actually down this past weekend. In, in, in recent games, maybe not even any official errors charge. But you know that's just, again, mathematics. The defense is still shaky at its very best. They're last in SEC fielding. And I'm talking about for the full season, not just conference play. They're last in double plays. They're last in steals allowed. And by the way, this probably shouldn't surprise anyone, but Mississippi State has allowed the most successful bunts of any SEC squad. Normally, that's not a stat that you would draw your attention to, but it, in conjunction with the number of stolen bases, just reminds that this is a pitching staff, which is not doing a good job holding runners, and then a young catcher, Ross Highfield, who's just not able to throw out runners yet. That should not be a total surprise. It's just the degree of how teams are successful, you almost have to concede that they're going to get to second base if they can get on base in the first place because State cannot control the running game at all. So fielding is there. I've mentioned in the past that uh, the pitching staff can't have any confidence in the, pit, in the fielding behind them, but I'm going to flip that around now. What does the defense have to be confident about the pitching staff at this point? 
you know, the dismissal of Foxhall a week ago, nobody expected that to bring, what would you call, a, uh, a bump in excitement because the catcher is making most of the pitching calls. No, it's just a sign that change had to be made in the long term. So go ahead and get that done now as far as on the staff at the moment. But as far as improving things, nobody really expected to make a difference, and it didn't this past weekend. Even if, again, the ERA was a little bit better, I think that was more a function of Arkansas being kind of a free-swinging team in a lot of regards. Still, it's just just so utterly frustrating that State is able to get outs but not get out of innings. A walk here. You know, I commented to a friend yesterday, also covering the team, that there's something about the lack of mental toughness on this team. One bad break, even if it's a self-imposed bad break, like walking a batter or hitting a batter, always seems to be followed with something even worse, like a two-run homer. How many times has that happened in recent games? Or you make a mistake in the field, then all of a sudden the other team's offense just takes advantage of it, cashes in. You know, Ron Polk always said hitting is contagious. And the corollary of that is that maybe lack of hitting is also contagious. With this team, and to a large extent last year's team too, it's almost like a contagion when anything goes wrong or just plain doesn't go right. And there is a difference. It's kind of subtle, but to think about it a while, you'll see the difference. When things don't go right for this team, for the individual players, something worse tends to follow. Bad breaks, bad luck, or just bad play also seem to be contagious with this team and the way things have headed. You know, last year's team as well. And we're building to a point on that, but hang with us. We want to get through the full resume of what's gone wrong in recent weeks. So you talk about, you know, the offense again. And it's such a mixed picture there in so many ways because you're hitting home runs. In fact, I think, uh, what's my stats here? Let me scramble around for those. I dug this up today. Okay, here's the twist. In the last dozen games, Mississippi State has 83 base hits of whatever sort. And again, that's not a great average, obviously. But of those 83, 38 went for extra bases and 20 of them home runs. Now think about that. Every time Mississippi State gets a base hit, one in four times, that ball left the yard. And half the time, it went for two bases or more. Roll that through your head there and consider what it implies. It implies that there's enough talent in this batting order to get the big hits, at least as far as statistically, home runs, doubles, all those things. But the average, the average, that is what's bottom out, as I pointed out. You just... it. Another way to put it is for all the extra base hitting, the power production, this team just keeps losing. And again, it goes back to average. Need we talk about how a single, just a little seeing eye grounder bouncing through the infield or a bloop base hit falling in the outfield grass would have meant more than a solo home run. We talked about it last year. That's absolutely the case this year. State has 81 home runs. At this pace, they're going to try to close in on that season record, which they just missed by one last year, despite only playing the regular schedule. A, it shows that home runs can be a little bit meaningless, but more so that home runs need to be timely. Timely base hits can matter to much more than a home run. I look back at yesterday, 
How many times in the first half of the game did State leave two or more runners on base with two outs? All you need is that one hit to get through, even an error committed by the defense, and two runs score. The Bulldog batting order can't make that happen. They've got the talent to drive it deep, to hit it with great contact, but they aren't hitting for average, and they definitely are not hitting for the clutch. That's what's showing up in the record. I want to say that simply because it's a reminder that we want to cheer the offense, but it, too, is doing its part over the last few, or I should say not doing its part, over these last four weekends, and Mississippi State certainly needs everything it can get. Like I mentioned, just get get some of those balls to fall, and all of a sudden the pitching has a little more leeway to work with. They don't have to be so perfect. They don't have to nibble at the corners. They can just go after them for strikes. Well, I say that. Uh, how many uh, first innings uh, home runs has State given up? You know, too many because they are going into the strike zone, and teams are feeling free to swing away against State starters. But point still holds. You have a better chance of your offense, your, I'm sorry, your pitching staff and your defense surviving if you just get those emotional base hits that cheers everybody up. You know, we've talked about how strikeouts are something this staff has done well and has always done well during the Scott Foxhall era. They double-digit strikeouts consistently over the five seasons. But we're still too far, too free with the free passes, hitting batters, and walks and plunkings are just part of it that says that you're working the margins instead of throwing strikes, which leads to high pitch counts and tired arms. Maybe that's what's considering contributing to all the two-run homers or the two-run big hits or the plunkings because they've thrown more pitches than they should in those innings already, certainly in the first couple of innings, and you're surrendering that fat strike that the batter can wait upon because they know it's going to come. Or they're confident enough that uh, if it looks like it's even remotely going to miss, let it go because the odds are State's going to walk you. Okay. All of that in and of itself makes for a dire picture for the state of Bulldog baseball at the moment. I think what this weekend did, though, was really tip the balance because of how they looked doing so. You, you don't want to put too much onto two separate plays. But when twice in the same game you have lack of defensive communication in the outfield and players run into each other, and allow a ball to fall for a hit. Or when you have a not particularly strong base runner call his own number and try to steal third base when there's a chance to make some early gains against the team and get thrown out pretty easily. Or you're not covering bases that um, are away from the play and allowing the other team to sneak in, get that extra corner, or perhaps even race home. I'm talking about the fundamentals. I'm talking about things that confident, poised teams don't do. They don't collide in the outfield, except in most rare circumstances. They don't leave bases uncovered. They don't steal on their own accord unless they're able to steal a base and proven they can do so. They don't have the freedom to do that. These are some fundamentals and just things that simply leave fans and media walking away from a game thinking that is not just not only is that a team that doesn't look good, it's a team that doesn't seem to play baseball the way that they've been trained to do. It's one thing to strike out. It's another thing to be flailing at pitches way out of the zone. 
But when you have plays like we talked about, the collisions, the bounce balls that get past the plate and can't be found by the player and allowing a run to score, all those things just give the impression, perhaps fair, perhaps not quite, that that's a team not ready to play the game at this level or a team not focused on playing the game at this level. I think you can look at it two ways. Some of these, particularly the collisions, that's the, that's guys just playing too hard, trying too hard to make something and forgetting or overlooking that there are other players involved in it that can also do it. You know, do, what's the saying? Do your own job and let the others do the other's jobs. When you're trying too hard, that gets in the way. But when you lose focus, that's also equally deadly because it allows a good team, and Arkansas is now the SEC leader, to cash in on things that should have never been allowed to happen. So it's it's how discombobulated the defense looks on these fundamental things of communication and covering that really triggers the impression that this is not just going badly, that it's not going to get any better. I mentioned the emotions. Again, not a bad thing. Because a tuned-out team that wouldn't care about getting whipped is worse, probably, than a team squabbling with itself or with the fans even, as apparently happened over the weekend as well. But neither is a good thing. So what are we getting at? What is Mississippi State's administration thinking? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm way overdue to get our sponsor's advertisement in from Bet Online, where the game starts. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your baseball and basketball information, statistics, news scores, and other sports for that matter. Uh, Get your latest odds and lines, including player reports for this year's playoffs going on in baseball, basketball, uh, for the Major League Baseball season, fully swinging now and uh, keeping up with Diamond Dogs played in the bigs these days. Congratulations to J.P. France for just getting called up and being, what, the 67th Diamond Dog ever to make it to the top level? Well, Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right on into ultimate fighting and boxing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, the games are about to end for Mississippi State. Yes, mathematically, they're still alive. We always have to say that in stories because they have six remaining conference games. They are one game out of the Hoover standings, 12th place. That's the place they gave away this past weekend, of course. And we knew it would probably happen. Uh, We expected Arkansas to come in and dominate, and Ole Miss and Missouri were playing each other, so somebody was going to take that lead. As it turns out, the Tigers have pushed up into 12th place because State taking a sweep and Ole Miss losing two. State and Ole Miss are tied which really means next to nothing unless you're talking some sort of fragile pride points about who doesn't finish last overall. But the remaining schedule certainly favors the Rebels, uh, based on I think their opponents right now are 21 and 27 on the season, where State's got to play LSU, which right now is a number two in the Western Division and pretty hot under the collar about it, letting Arkansas sneak past them. And at home this weekend, you can bet the Tigers are going to be all out for blood, Bulldog blood. Of course, Ole Miss has a slightly easier schedule to finish there. So it's that may be a moot point as far as the big picture, but there's still always things you play for. 
State could, yes, still make the SEC tournament. With Georgia winning a couple of games of the weekend, 11th is almost certainly out of reach now without something really remarkable happening. But the sad fact is that for State just to win a couple of games would be really remarkable at this point. I can't get over how sad that is. You just, Mississippi State baseball, yes, we've had our downturns. In fact, I had to check it to be sure, but not all that long ago, the Bulldogs did finish last in the SEC in consecutive seasons, 2008-2009. And then in 2010, they finished, um, let's see, 13th out of 14 teams at the time. So there have been similar bad stretches. And, of course, after that 10 season began what, by any measure, is the most remarkable decade in total in the program's history. So the turnaround can happen. It has happened. We know it. We've seen it. Are things different today with NIL and the transfer portal? Yeah, different in a good and bad ways. It just depends on how you play it and how the coaching staff plays it, I should say. Will the Chris Lamona staff be the staff that makes those plays? Now, Steve Robertson of our site had a one-on-one with Athletic Director Zach Selman today. Uh, he'll have his full Q&A up on Tuesday on Gene's page. I'm going to the Road Dog stop this week and uh, talk to both Selman and Zach Arnett. And while I think most of my attention will be on football because Arnett is uh, sometimes can be a little tough to get a hold of in the summertime, it's safe to say that there will be questions coming up for the AD about Bulldog baseball, and that's because folks care. You care. I care. And it's this fact that puts the pressure on a new and first-time athletic director not just to make a decision, but to make the right one. And to make it soon. The NCAA has a transfer portal for baseball and other spring sports on starting on May 29th. Today's May 8th. So three weeks from today, the transfer portal opens up for baseball and it runs for 45 days through mid-July. It stops just a couple of days before ta-da, the Major League Baseball draft, which is July 17th and 19th, which for all intents and purposes is a portal in and of itself for professional prospects. Do you stay or do you go? My point being that there are players right now already weighing, do they leave their school? Do they stay? Even before the season goes. Now what this says about the state of mind of players in today's sport, how committed they are to their current program, uh, that's a subject for another day, but it ain't good in any sense, and I'm talking all sports, because when you have players before their own team is finished, considering their individual future, yes, baseball's always had this to some extent with the professional draft, but the transfer portal has magnified it way beyond the obvious characters. So that's three weeks away. Mississippi State has two weekends left on the schedule unless they make it to Hoover. And even if they do get to the SEC tournament, they're not going to come out of it. So the season ends before the window begins. At that point, we don't see any chance of a change in coaching staff before the schedule ends. Matter of fact, at this point, I'm not even sure there will be a change in staff. At least, certainly, I wasn't feeling that way going the weekend. I would have put it something like 60-40 that Lamonis would be staying, maybe even stronger than that. Because, again, first-year athletic director, he's got a national championship ring to show that, yes, he does know how to coach baseball. He's also taken the Bulldogs to College World Series in 2019. So he's got some strong points in his resume. Against that, you have a program that has just fallen off the map, almost proverbially, 
in the past two seasons. So what do you think in that regard? What does the athletic director, again, entirely new to Mississippi State and the Southeastern Conference, what does he value more? Does he see sticking with a guy who's proven he can win so far? Uh, is Lamonis able to make the case that we're close? Uh, certainly there's young talent on this roster. I mean, I've said it all season. There's more talent on this roster than deserves to be uh, fighting to stay out of the cellar in the SEC. This roster has enough talent to contend at least to be mid-pack conference and probably finish over 500 in SEC action. But they're not doing it. That's because all these individuals are not performing in total as a team. Not because they don't want to, but just they're not doing it. Is that coaching? Yeah, it's coaching. It, it, baseball is an individual sport, but coaching sets the tone, and something has gone badly wrong with whether the evaluation, uh, the recruiting for 2021, that's pretty evident right now that there were some struggles and some missed evaluations there, some bad luck, the guys that just didn't work out or have not achieved what we thought their potential was going to be. But last year's class is obviously good, as shown by what the freshmen are doing here. And now you've got a really highly rated recruiting class already locked up this past winter. That's another thing to consider, too, because they signed not just with Mississippi State. They signed with Chris Lamonis and staff. And now one of that staff is already gone. So the pitching coach replacement needs to be done. But now the wrinkle is after the way State played against Arkansas, it's going to be extremely difficult to attract a quality pitching coach who's uncertain about the head coach's future, at least until that is settled. And by the way, the good ones are going to keep on playing well into May, as are the head coaching candidates Mississippi State would go after were a change to be made. And that will go on to June, in fact, with the NCAA tournament. So the Portland one, if Mississippi State were to make a change at the top, it could not be finished until well after the portal window had opened. You see the contradiction you're going with. Now, that's, that would be encouragement to stay the course with the current staff. But at the same time, you've got to have a way of taking the temperature of the current team. I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. Whatever direction Selman takes, stay with Lamonis or make a change, players are going to leave one way or the other. Some will leave because the change is made. Some are going to leave if a change is not made. Just go ahead and accept it and deal with it. It comes down to who. You never keep a coach, the rule of thumb, based on a recruiting class. I don't know. Right now, this recruiting class is so critical to Mississippi State that do you dare risk it or you try to get them here? Well, that's also magnified by the fact that the transfer portal, existing as it does, they could be here for a fall and opt out because the next window is December 1 and 15th and could be gone before they ever play a Bulldog game. That's the absurdity of how the transfer portal works. Parenthetically, if they don't bring back the one-year automatic redshirt rule, then I see nothing but chaos remaining. I think what a Division One baseball report, over 2,000 players went into the portal last year alone. And how many of them actually found a landing spot in Division One in a major conference program? Not many. Oh, we see all the examples who did, but they're only a tithe, and a tiny tithe at that, of the larger number of players who panicked, left where they were, and did not find a landing place or had to settle for something else. And now if they transfer again, they do have to sit out a year. 
That eventually will shake itself out. For right now, Mississippi State is trying to figure, do they shake it up entirely, stay with the current staff, or make a change? Nothing that happened in the Arkansas weekend was encouraging in that regard. And again, it goes back to not just that they were losing, although that's always the ultimate bottom line. It's how they looked in losing. It was bad. It was just so un-Mississippi State-like, as we've come to expect, that you really wonder what is going through Director Selman's head at this point. You wonder what's going through Chris Lamonis' head. And certainly the frustration. Uh, this is a coach who's won as an assistant, as a head coach, and now has the ultimate prize symbolized by the ring on his finger. But there, the answers have not been forthcoming for two years now, and you don't see that there's any fast fix ahead. And, of course, you've got the complications of the portal, the draft, and other things looming that won't even be settled until well after your roster has to be set. That's, that's the bitter part about baseball. You're trying to set your roster, and then half of it can be gutted in no time by transfers and others. Now, you can pick up transfers, yeah, all the way through July 13th. But the NIL clouds that by what's available, what's not available, what have you got to work with. Uh, this is not a time to be a head coach in baseball in so many regards. And uh, part of me is, tries to imagine, and sarcastically almost, of how Ron Polk would approach the portal. Well, he wouldn't have. That's, we can go ahead and say that. He would have never been able to deal with that regard because it's just not a way to consistently build a roster to develop guys because guys aren't taking time to develop. And they're hurting themselves in the process. Okay, I'm really getting wandering on that subject. Point being, the underclassmen Diamond Dogs, the recruits who've already signed, or maybe looking to join up, and maybe most of all, the college players who are already planning on a new school before the portal actually opens, they need clarity. They need certainty. You know, we fans, we want to know. Players need to know. And that's the best way to sum up the situation that Zach Selman faces right now. Now, Mississippi State could make the answer a lot easier by winning a few games down the stretch, scrambling their way into Hoover, pointing the, to the fact that maybe there's something positive building for a rebound next year. But if State loses out and looks bad doing it, well, there's a decision to be made up in uh, the Bryan building. I don't envy the man who has to make the decision, but this is Bulldog baseball. We care, and because we care, is a decision that has to be made. It'd be one thing if it was a lesser sport that almost nobody notices. And yes, ADs try to be fair to them because players deserve that respect. But you've got a sport like Bulldog Baseball with thousands upon thousands of folks still caring enough to turn out and watch the games even though they know the team is going to be struggling and perhaps look ugly doing it. That's a recipe for having to make a really tough decision and make it really soon, and make it really right. Because Mississippi State baseball matters. Well, that's our Monday. Uh, we used to call these overreaction Mondays, but uh, I don't think you can possibly overreact to the situation Mississippi State finds itself in right now. As stated, look on Gene's page tomorrow for a Q&A with Zach Selman by Steve Robertson. And I hope to catch up with uh, Zach Arnett, 
change the tone a little bit to football some. We completed our series position by positions groups overviews this past weekend. You can find all that on Gene's page still, starting with the offense and working its way all to the defensive positions and how that looked coming out of spring ball and what it looks like going into the summer. Uh, more news will be coming out, of course. Um, there's, let's see, the football transfer window is closed, so nothing there, but be keeping an eye on who enrolls for the first summer semester now that graduation spring is finished up. So things will slow down a little bit, especially with baseball coming to an end, at least slow down on the field. Off the field, it's going to stay as active as ever, and we're here to report about it in the Doghouse, brought to you by Believe Podcast and sponsored by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm your host, David Murray. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be talking with you again as um, we try to get some change and clarity on Bulldog Baseball this week and other information. Thanks, and talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.